BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome into House of Wrestling, everybody. It's me, Nick Hausman. Come on in. Keep your shoes on or take them off. Hat, whatever coat. Put them on the coat rack. We have our dining room table over here. It's filled with assorted brownies and cookies. All of them have marijuana in them. Grab one if you like. Make your way into the living room because sitting here next to us uh, at the fireside is our very good friend, Chuck Carroll. Chuck, welcome into House of Wrestling, my friend. Nick, I have come prepared today, my friend. I've got swag, and I'm just going to step back, and bam. Oh, he's got it on! Boom. Oh, my God. Pro Wrestling Tees, baby. What's up? So, for those that can't see, if you're listening in audio form right now and not watching our premiere, which you should be, Chuck is sporting the In Your House of Wrestling t-shirt. It is in the style of the classic In Your House logo. It has our name on it, and it is available on Pro Wrestling Tees in the House of Wrestling Store. You are the first person, I think, to buy that shirt, Chuck, and it looks so fucking sick. It looks way cooler than I ever imagined. I have to go get one for myself now. Well, dude, I DM'd you as soon as I saw it. I was like, I got to support the brand. But number two, like, if there was ever a perfect T-shirt to rep this thing, like, this is it. Like, it was freaking genius. It was an instant purchase. And by the time you messaged me back and you were just like, two words, buy it, exclamation point. I was like, it's already done, bro. You didn't even hit, you didn't even need to ask. Goddamn, I live up the block from Pro Wrestling Tees. I'm just going to go over today. By the, and credit to our good friend Ref Marsh, who was on last week, by the way, as a co-host. He's also our graphic designer. He designed that shirt. So Shout out to Marsh. him. Yeah. Marsh great job. Atta boy. All right. Well, hey, that was an unintentional plug at the end of the show. I wasn't planning on plugging our T-shirt store. But, hey, that's what we did. Go get one. It's wonderful. I'll also plug while we're at it, like I said, Premier Streaming Network. If you're watching us, first run, Tuesday, Thursday, noon Eastern, it is because you are watching us on Premier streaming network the only place to find this show in video form is over on premiere streaming network you can also find us in audio form later in the afternoon on tuesday and thursday same show house of wrestling podcast feed and of course houseofwrestling.com h-a-u-s of wrestling.com is your place to come for all your pro wrestling news coverage we are always going we have tons of news we have lots of exclusives we have one that i'll get to here later on in the show but i did highlight yesterday that uh, the interview I did from SummerSlam, some of Ricochet's comments about Will Ospreay, the Tiger Driver 91. I thought it was a very interesting snippet from that. So all kinds of coverage all the time. Go to HouseOfWrestling.com. Beautiful website. Wonderfully run. There you go. <laughs> all right. Let's get into it here. We got some news from the past 48 hours to get into. We are going to start with our CM Punk block because I don't know if you've noticed, Chuck. CM Punk drives the House of Wrestling news cycle. At least it has the last several weeks. Uh <laughs> You know, I can't imagine why, Nick. I, honest to God, just can't fathom a single reason why he would lead the show. So I want to prep. So we we only really have, I think, the one punk story today, and it's about WWE, his interest in going to WWE or WWE's interest in him. Before I get into this report from Fightful, I want to just kind of say I've been trying to get insight into this as well. I've talked to a few people at WWE. I unfortunately have not gotten through to Nick Khan or Paul Triple H Levesque, 
But I have spoken to some people there of note, and I got an interesting anecdote last night from a source, so I'm not writing a report about it or anything. But I heard that the buzz in WWE is not there for CM Punk like it was when Cody Rhodes became available. The source was like, dude, when Cody became available, or we thought Cody was available, this place sprang to life, right? All the gears started moving. Everybody knew we wanted to get Cody Rhodes. The same I've heard internally, that that buzz, that desire to get the wheels of production moving is not there from CM Punk. And I just wanted to share that because I thought it was a very interesting bit of insight that was worthy of noting here on the show. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm kind of on the fence with this as a fan, just from a fan perspective. Of course, I think it would be great. Do I see it happening anytime soon? No. Am I writing it off completely forever and ever? Amen. Absolutely not either. I mean, WWE, the wrestling business as a whole, has that whole saying, never say never for a reason. I mean, you've seen Warrior come back, Hogan come back, Austin come back. All of these guys that were excommunicated, supposedly permanently, why would Punk be even uh, any different? Even though the circumstances here might have been a little bit more, I don't know, heinous. But in your opinion, I mean, compared to what Punk did and what Warrior did, essentially holding up McMahon, I mean, wh who do you think is the bigger heel in WWE's eyes? I mean, I, I would think that Punk would be because he took them to court and forced them into discovery and... <laughs> you know, pushed a lot of text messages and emails out there that I don't think they ever wanted to see the light of day. Um, so I would think punk, but time heals all wounds. And I think that, you know, we saw him on WWE backstage, right? And we never thought we'd see him back in the orbit again. And I know that was a Fox deal, but it, it was a, definitely a toe in the WWE water as well. So it's not like we've never seen punk in WWE following this, right? Um, I, when I, when Punk was available before he signed with AEW, I've heard that like there was like interest. I guess like we'll hear you out, you know, like not like no f you. We we have no interest in you whatsoever. The vibe I got was like, all right, what do you want? And it sounded like Punk wanted a lot of money, and he got it on the other side of the the aisle, and that was it. It it, it didn't feel personal to me from kind of what I gathered of that relationship at the time. And, um, you know, look, maybe all the stories, the baggage, the headaches that came along with his AEW run changed the dynamic. Maybe this merger changes the dynamic. I don't know. But I never got the vibe that it was like door closed. It was just kind of like, I don't know. It's a weird business. Timing's everything. This time doesn't feel right. Maybe this time does. Maybe another time in the near future will. Who knows? Yeah, no, and and I've seen a lot also made of, well, of course, WWE doesn't want him. He went backstage a few months ago and was asked to leave. Well, look, I think that that is personally overblown. Uh, I'm on the board of sag After in the Mid-Atlantic region here in Washington, D.C., very well versed in entertainment and media contracts. And that could just have very well been a case of we're worried about tampering. And then to see this report that Punk is interested in coming back, well, maybe he was asked to leave because he was floating ideas by. And right. WWE didn't want to get into that jackpot. I wouldn't make too much of that particular report. He's going to be polarizing wherever he goes. Um, and we'll see where he winds up next. If he goes back into a wrestling ring, could it be WWE? Maybe. Could it be Impact Wrestling? I mean, we saw those reports recently as well that they might be interested in acquiring his services. But could they even afford him? I don't think I don't, so on that budget. I don't I don't see it. Punk, Punk is very much money motivated, it would seem, with his wrestling these days. I, I just don't see I don't see impact as a landing spot for him for a variety of reasons. I think the money is not there. I just don't know that the plat like platform wise, you don't want to go from something that's the number one show on cable to something that's very far down the list. I mean, you know, we've we've seen other people go to impact wrestling and punk is a very interesting, unique character. He might be able to pop it, but Trinity is a part of impact. I don't know that that's done a huge boost for them. Right. Or anything like that. And she was the hottest thing in wrestling. Uh, just not, I mean, she still is one of the hottest things in wrestling, but it doesn't feel that way. So I don't know that Impact's the right spot. New Japan would be weird because their relationship with AEW. I heard Conrad and Jeff Jarrett shaking the old stick about how, you know, Punk could do his own show. Maybe Conrad would produce that show like he did Ric Flair's last show. I think that's a very interesting proposal, maybe. 
But the vibe I get at the moment, I don't know that this guy's leaping to go wrestle or sign another contract. He wanted a bunch of money to come back to the business. Let's say he fulfilled two years worth of his contract with, with Tony Khan, which seems about accurate. Let's say he was getting three to $5 million a year. I've heard $5 million on the high end per year. It's a lot of money. Guy's set. Doesn't buy drugs or alcohol. We know that. Right? <laughs> Travels around Chicago on a bicycle. So <laughs> I, I, I don't know that this guy's clamoring. I think he's, you know, probably not happy about the SAG after situation because he'd probably prefer to get back to work in Hollywood and build his brand over there. That's the vibe I get. Yeah, and I think that that, that door is still open for sure. Uh, is he still doing MMA commentary? Because, I mean, that that is the wild card here is, you know, is his relationship with UFC and the MMA circles enough to kind of smooth whatever rough edges remain between he and WWE thaw that chill there? Yeah, he's doing the the fury, the cage fight. I, I'm not an MMA. I'm so par- I apologize uh, to everybody involved. I got you, Cage man. fight fury or whatever it is, but he does those sh- he he actually I be, I believe was scheduled to do two shows the week of all in or all out. I thought I think he was gonna or had the opportunity. I think the Friday and Saturday before. I don't believe he did it or we'd have heard about it. Um, but I I do believe he still has an active relationship with them. Commentary still on the table. We'll get to UFC later on. I don't. Well, I mean, we could talk about it right now. It doesn't really matter. WWE and UFC they're gonna merge on Tuesday. That press release went out this morning. You know, it's an interesting time for Punk becoming. We, we think a free agent. We're not really sure. We Nobody's gotten clarity on his contract status. But I would think, e- even with the losing record, I think he did some fight pass calls. I, him, Ronda Rousey, Brock Lesnar are the most natural ambassadors for TKO Group Holdings. They're the only people that really have ties to both outside of, like, Ken Shamrock or Dan Severin. Um, I, 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 I see a spot for him, but, again, I don't really know, you know? Yeah, we'll, we'll see. And business is business, and I think at the end of the day, um, Vince will respect it if they want to keep using him in the MMA side of TKO, and it is what it is. I don't, you know, it'd be ludicrous to think that Vince could put the kibosh on any decision that they would make with uh, with UFC. I think that that's a complete overreach, a complete overreach. And, and here's the thing is, I really do think if Punk came into WWE right now, I think it could work. I think the guy is absolutely on his best behavior at the moment, especially after this. You know, a lot of people expected a huge, explosive, fiery reaction the night of All Out, the day after All Out, the night of collision, any moment now. And I just don't, I don't know. I don't see it coming, Chuck. I, I, I don't see, I don't feel it. It, does, it in my bones. Maybe we'll get something. But I think this was a huge weight off of his shoulders. I think he's probably happy away from all of this stuff right now. And I think he wants to project a normalcy. Not a crazy person, not a yelling, not creating drama, not going to court. I think Punk would just like to present himself as much kind of like as the Andy Griffith normal dude as possible right now, if I had to guess. I'm not expecting anything crazy chaotic from him. Yeah, and you know what? I'm going to agree with that 100%. I'll lean in even further, say, look, if you had to put a gun to my head and say predict the future, I'd say you're going to hear a lot of silence from the punk camp for a few months, and then he'll pop up somewhere if he's coming back to wrestling. I love the idea of him coming back at the Rumble. We we heard rumblings about that right. may have been the plan that he was talking about a little while ago. Um, I love the idea of him coming back at the Rumble as that surprise pop. It would be huge, and it would carry them well into WrestleMania season. I mean, can you imagine? I'm not saying put the guy in the main event, but just the fact that he would be on the card again would be the talk of the wrestling town, no doubt about it. And really, even though things went really, really, really bad with him in AEW, it would be a big, uh, it's certainly not the nail in the coffin, but WWE has a big edge right now, despite their success at Wembley AEW's. I think that that would only widen the gap even more for WWE to, again, reclaim their undisputed position as the number one pro wrestling company with everyone else a very distant second. I agree. I think the optics, a lot like Cody, right? And there's a lot of, you know, we will be writing about the similarities between Punk and Cody, <laughs> I think, in years to in, in the years and decades to come. But uh, I, I think that... Um, I think that if you were going to bring Punk back into the fold, and, you know, the the report you're talking about with the Rumble, that's actually what I have on the run sheet here, so I'll bring it up finally. Yeah, Fightful put out this report yesterday saying Punk, I think it was actually on Tuesday, late Tuesday, but Punk was interested in a return to WWE back in December. 
Uh, he was interested in returning to the company in January at the Royal Rumble, which I believe is the same month he popped up backstage. May have been spitballing that idea back there. Uh, and the rumored plan that got back to the locker room, and then I guess like tell a friend, telephone, tell a friend, tell a wrestler, got back to Sean Ross Sapp. The rumored plan would have been for him to feud with whoever eliminated him in the Rumble, which would have maybe been Kevin Owens setting up that match for, for Mania, which obviously we wouldn't have gotten the tag match that was a beloved classic. And as I don't know who it was on social media or a couple people, but Kevin Owens is the guy who sent Cody Rhodes to the Young Bucks because he loves those guys and started all elite wrestling. I just don't know how he takes in the pitch to be like, hey, you know that guy who hates your best friends? He'd like to he'd like to wrestle you at WrestleMania. I, I don't know. It, it does seem like a tough pill to swallow. I'll, I'll admit. It is. Business is business, though. Bygones be bygones. But yeah, that's an interesting one for sure. I, I don't know. I don't know. I could see Cody kind of like taking that one on you know i think that that could be a kind of tasty matchup to be honest with you i and and i, I mean shoot that could even be the better match dude who knows cody punk would be great punk punk roman with paul Heyman in the middle would be great you know yeah. seth rollins i don't know if you saw uh did a little interview with him called punk a cancer right i see a lot of people clamoring for that match as well so it's not like he's wanting for opponents on the wwe side it really just comes down to does he want to do it do they want to do it Obviously, I think the you know the rumble the rumble great scenario. I Survivor Series is happening in Chicago. It is happening the week of Thanksgiving. It is happening the same week that Tony Khan loves to come to Chicago and talk about how he grew up just in the burbs and loves Thanksgiving. It means everything for him. It brings the family to the table. And that's why he brings AEW to Chicago every Thanksgiving week. CM Punk could show up on Tony's beloved week, the Saturday after Thanksgiving. In, in the All-State Arena, which isn't his faves, right? United is, but whatever. Um, at Survivor Series, it would be it would be big. It would pop. That would be the landing spot for me. I could see a scenario where there's like a five-on-five -five Survivor Series match where there's one unannounced member of a team, and you do little teases like Rollins did for Cody going into WrestleMania where it was like Cody was never they, – they never announced it was me, Cody Rollins, but you knew it was going to be Cody Rollins. You could drop a lot of the Easter eggs about that with Punk, kind of like you did with The Last Dance. Survivor Series, if they're going to do it, I would think would be the spot. That's just how I feel about it. Yeah, and, and a lot of that also comes down to his availability, the way that his contract was structured. Um, it, because he was fired for cause, there is some question of whether or not there's a non-compete. That depends on whether or not there's a severance, and the non-compete's going to be concurrent with that severance. So we'll see what kind of exit package was negotiated. I'm sure that that'll come out in time at some point. Um, but if he was 100% terminated without compensation because it was for cause, then it's not a strong um, or it's not much of a stretch to say he's got a strong legal argument to go to court and be like, they're at this point preventing me from making a living. And we're seeing the courts become more and more employee or in this case, contractor friendly and uh, not letting big business win. There's a huge shift for employee power right now. So I think that the uh, the legal system would be on um, punk side here. So we'll see. We'll, yeah. we'll absolutely see. And uh, go check out my interview with Lucas Middlebrook from a couple weeks ago. He's a labor lawyer. We I've had Lucas on a couple times. A lot of what Chuck is talking about and is very correct about is uh, the Biden administration came in much more lenient, open to unions. The National Labor Relations Board has shifted. There's new people deciding these cases under the Trump administration. They were uh, a little less friendly towards unions. Um as you can see, if you're watching on Premiere, Chuck has lifted his sag after sign um, up onto the screen. It's a very different time. And so let's get into the because uh, I'm interested, you say, with cause. So in these situations, when somebody is released with cause, I think we all kind of hear that. And we look past it. You, you, you kind of briefly touched on like this package. So in your opinion, looking at the way he was released, you do believe and, and, and I believe based on kind of the way Tony talked about it in the scrum. There was an agreement, a separation agreement, and that could entail all kinds of things, right? It could, but then again, the contract, uh, most contracts, virtually all of them say, like, you can be terminated for cause and we don't owe you squat. And that doesn't matter whether it's an entertainment, a sports or whatever contract, right? If there's a player, say, in the NFL... Uh, who gets charged with DUI and it's a horrible case, right? You look at the Raiders receiver. When he was released, uh, his compensation was nada. 
uh, it's starting immediately. And so in this case, we also have for cause. And then you could infer, and this is strictly spitballing. I have no inside information on I'm, this. I'm interested because you you seem knowledgeable about this. So I wanted your take. Yeah. So here's, you have to infer from what Tony Khan said. Tony Khan said that he had never been in an atmosphere like that, where he feared for his safety. He feared for his life uh, and the safety of those in the proximity of whatever skirmish happened. Right. So that is certainly enough cause if you're fearing for a life, if an incident is indeed that violent that you're in fear of your safety, your life, then yeah, that's enough for cause uh, where you wouldn't even need to negotiate a severance package. It's just, we're done with you. Have a nice day. Right. And so if that's the case, then that opens it up wide open for punk to come into court and say, okay, well, they terminated me. They're not paying me. They're not compensating me. So they have no legal standing to block me from gaining employment. I still have to have a roof over my head. I still have to feed my family. And that's a fair argument, no matter what the circumstance is, right? However, there is also the opportunity. And in this case, I would say it's less than 50-50 in this case. I would say uh, more than likely he just got, you know, thanks, see you later, have a nice life. No no more checks. Yeah. Um, there's also the case that they negotiated an exit package. But the way that all of this went down, it was within a week. Um, when you exit, uh, when you negotiate an exit package that typically has back and forth, they can drag on for a number of weeks. I don't see that happening in the span of just a few days. My gut tells me that he was released, no severance, nothing, nothing like that. And that if he wanted to, he's got a hell of an argument to, to go in there and, and show up on raw on Monday. Great. What a wonderful time for pro wrestling the day before the UFC WWE merger. Wouldn't that be something? I mean, I'm just saying, I'm not saying it's going to happen. Again, I have zero insight. I'm just talking about how these contracts tend to work. Hey, look, I, I, I think it makes all the sense in the world for CM Punk to be back in WWE. There's a lot to do there. I'm just being candid with everyone that I don't know where their mind is at. Again, I, it doesn't sound to me like a call to action has been sounded within WWE to get this guy in as soon as possible. But to be clear... There's been a lot of rumors about how this merger has prevented them from bringing anybody on, right? Like, we heard Brian Pillman Jr. is likely back in the fold. Maybe AOP got signed just before the freeze, yada, yada, yada. But they're not bringing people on right now. In fact, it looks like on Tuesday they're going to let a lot of people go internally. And I'm, I'm very sad to say that, right? Because when you have these merges, you have two legal departments, you have two PR departments, you have two accounting departments, and there's a lot of overlap. And, you know, Ari Emanuel has already said we're, we're prepared to kind of get rid of that that problem there when we come in, which is not unlike what they did with UFC. So they're just not really in a spot right now where they're bringing people on. But, yeah, it makes a ton of sense to me. And, I again, I'm just being candid. I don't know where Punk's head is at. I don't know that he loves the idea of going back to wrestling right now. I had somebody I respect quite a bit call me a mark when I told that to them. But, hey, it's fine to who you are. And maybe you're listening. We're friends. It's okay. Well, look, I, I mean, here's the deal. You're talking about redundancy on the internal staff, right? You're not talking about the talent roster. And number no. two is they still haven't announced their TV deals uh, where they're going to go there, which means that Punk could be a nice carrot. He's still got a big enough name where, you know, if you have somebody who's in charge of a network who doesn't follow wrestling all that closely, you're like, yo, we got this dude. He was like big time stuff. He drew millions of eyeballs. He just had this track record, just uh, was in one of the premier matches for the most uh, purchased, what was the, the biggest wrestling show of all time. However, AEW was phrasing it, even though it wasn't a WWE show, they right. could leverage that into this TV deal. Like we've got this ultra popular name and at the end of the day, it comes down to dollars. And it's not about the McMahons anymore. And it's not just about WWE shareholders. You've got TKO, you're answering to Ari Emanuel and this whole other group of people now, which means that all that matters at the end of the day is the almighty dollar. And if they think that Punk can make them money, it really makes a lot of sense to bring them in because you're answering to, to Wall Street, my friend. And, and look, we know that Fox loves Punk. Right. And they wanted him there on WWE backstage. I've seen some people pointing at Ryan Satin's podcast coming to an end as some sign that Fox is like done with WWE. That is not what I am hearing. Right. I know that Fox paid a lot of money. And there's once you have your money on the table, you start to real critically look at what you're getting back in return. So I don't know if they're happy with the return. I mean, I would think, dude, that show 
of the two properties, SmackDown's the one that's like the meteor, more valuable property. I don't know how they could have done more to deliver for Fox with SmackDown, if I'm being quite frank. For the love of Pearl, they just had the number one audience in all of TV last Friday, right? So, yeah. uh, I mean, come on. It, it seems like a no-brainer. And you have to look at Fox's overall digital strategy. Um, don't just look at this one isolated podcast. Are they trimming podcasts in other departments as well? What are they doing with their other digital departments? You know, Ryan could have just been a casualty of restructuring, right? Yeah. And if that pod wasn't bringing in money, they're not going to sink dollars into it. I'm not going to speak on behalf of Ryan Satin. He's got a, he's got his own podcast to wrap up, and, and I think he may comment on all of this on the show. So wait and see. Um, well, as we were talking about CM Punk, the backstage drama at AEW, um, one man jumped into the ring to offer his services to Tony Khan and AEW, and that man is former UFC heavyweight champion Josh Barnett, and I love what he shared on Twitter. He says, just a thought. Seems like the AEW locker room is in need of someone to establish some order and reign in the chaos. If Tony needs someone to keep discipline and sort out conflict, I'd be willing to take the job. I can promise you there won't be random fights and anyone asking me if I'd like to take it outside. Man, can you imagine? Like, and for those that don't remember, Josh Barnett, the Young Bucks, did not exactly see eye to eye in New Japan Pro Wrestling. He did exactly say glowing things about their style on commentary. I just thought it was a wonderful thing that Josh Barnett threw out into social media yesterday, and I just wanted to include it in the show here. Yeah, so kind of him. And so, look, somebody <laughs> absolutely, absolutely needs to, you know, pull it, pull in the reins. Everybody's been saying that for a long time. And whether it's Josh, Bloodsport, Barnett, or anybody else, I mean, somebody's got to do it. And it may not be the worst <laughs> idea to get somebody in there who's not afraid to step up and call it like it is. I think that this whole buddy-buddy utopia kind of environment that they have is a big part of the reason why there's such friction right now like this. They got it to this level, right? So somebody's got to step up, man. So, I mean, it's worth a phone call, Tony. I'm I, just saying. I, I will say we are we are going to get into some, some not great news for AEW here in just a second. But before we do, I want to say positive. Dynamite was a very good show last night. Like, and I, I say that on – I think a lot of people are saying that. The stuff with Joe and MJF was very, very good. I thought the Swerve Strickland, Hangman Page stuff was very, very good. There seemed to be a uh, a refocusing of the product on Wednesday night that we haven't seen after a lot of their pay-per-views. They kind of try to find their way into what they want to do next, or so it seems. This time, they really laid the groundwork. They said, this is where we're headed. This is where we're going with these big names, and it really hit, and it was effective. Um, I've Like everybody hearing, Brian Danielson has accrued quite a bit of influence backstage at AEW. Uh, I think that he might be the Josh Barnett in this situation. And he hits like Josh Barnett, too, for what it's worth. <laughs> He'll turn you into ground beef. He doesn't fucking care. And, like, I think that I think Danielson has kind of assumed that that role in a lot of ways. And we already know that he let Tony Khan or no, bring in Jimmy Jacobs to help you. I have kids five days a week. Jimmy does not have that. Jimmy lives wrestling like you live wrestling. Here's Jimmy. Now we have some kind of structure here, right? Brian a trusted advisor, the consigliere of Tony, is recommending people to Tony that Brian is also directly in contact with and trust. That's good. That is a system, right? Now, how far they want to take that and how formal they want to make Danielson's role, we'll see. But he seems to be the guy in the room right now. It was Jericho for a little while who was trying to do it. Didn't seem to come together for what it's worth. It, it, with the Punk Elite stuff, I, I think Brian was involved trying to bridge that gap too. Didn't quite work there. But people look at Brian differently, and I think he is the guy in this situation who's going to crack that whip and uh, help help get them to the next phase of whatever this company's going to look like. Yeah, man. And, you know, honestly, I, I also look at what's going to happen with Jack Perry when he returns. Um, so he's suspended right now, but you really have to keep a close eye on him as well, right? And just as a reminder, if he slips up again, like that kind of, you know, behavior can't be tolerated. Like, Sadly... Sadly, I think the Bucks love it. I think he, I think he scored points in this situation. And that's the problem, though, man. It's yeah. that's the problem. It's like, well, why is it okay for one person to do this and act a certain way, but not okay for another? I don't care which side of the aisle you fall on here, whose camp you're in. It doesn't matter. It shouldn't be tolerated from anybody. And because it seems to be tolerated more from one side than another, that's why we have these problems, man. And so it's just like has to be this unilateral. Nobody can mess around with this kind of garbage anymore and if you do there are severe consequences and so that's strike one for jack and then if there's a second screw up then he's got to go yeah. end of story 
And, and the victory lap, I think, from, from Matt, or laps, I guess he did it twice, uh, you know, and they don't care what I think, right? They, they really don't. Um, I just think that if it, it comes across as we ran plays until this guy was gone, and Jack Perry just feels like another play, in my opinion, in the grand scheme of things. Because if they're celebrating that this guy's gone and they're celebrating how it kind of went down, it, it's a real sign of, you know, what they think is the right way to be running their locker room. And if they did it to Punk or any – I don't want to get into – I don't want to point at other people. Or maybe they've done it to others similarly. They'll do it again. And if you're if you're on the wrong side of them, they are they have a playbook. Not just one thing, but several things. And it's locker room behavior. It's how you talk to the press. They, there's a playbook in place now. And, and I, I say that not gleefully because I hope that they really kind of look at this situation, reflect, and, you know, see how they could have, you know, helped make it not get to this point as well. And uh, as it stands, the way they're publicly front-facing this situation and celebrating it and the Pepsi jokes and the victory laps – it all kind of just feels to me like, you know, you know, we, hey, we did it. We, we did it. We, we ran this guy out. And everything that happened negatively it seems like a play to me. It's just one stone in front of the other on the path. And again, you're talking about high-ranking people within the company. And Tony Khan, the owner, is tolerating this. So what message does that send to the rest of the locker room? That's why you're seeing stupid tweets all the time. People need to stay the heck off of social media when it comes to that kind of stuff. Don't yeah. and and don't backpedal and try to BS everybody and say, oh, I'm just trying to draw heat, brother. Bull. You're trying to get your name in into some sheets, and it is not going to do a damn thing for your career on camera. So just zip it up, people. Yeah, zip it up. Yeah, yeah. I, everybody, you know, look. I as B, I was at all out. The fans want to move on. The roster wants to move on. Right. Everybody wants to get back to enjoying pro wrestling, enjoying AEW. Again, Wednesday night was a great show. Uh, I'm probably going to draw heat for even saying this, but it does feel like a bit of a reaction to the idea that we need to get our shit together. We were pushed into a position here where it's been chaotic for so long. We need to really show a unified front here. And this situation, you know, iron sharpens iron. In this situation, it feels like they came out stronger on the other side after all this kind of internal kind of fire. I say firing, but fiery type type area. On the other side of this, now they're like, we need, we're going to refocus now and we're going to present a better product. And that is its own kind of observation that now they are in a position where they're doing better work on the other side of this very uh, situation that may have pushed them to do better work had, had it otherwise not happened. Absolutely hope so, man. Uh, absolutely hope that it, it, it betters the product because they're facing some real stiff competition. I know one of the things you wanted to talk about were the ratings for this yeah. past weekend on <laughs> Collision, man. Oh my God, were they ever in the basement, bro? I am meandering through this run sheet here today. Too many thoughts. We only have 15 minutes left. All right, WrestleNomics, they put out their Collision viewership. Uh, this was the lowest viewership ever for an episode of Collision. Granted, it was up against SummerSlam. It was up against this LSU uh, versus Florida State College football game. But irregardless... Averaged 345,000 viewers, about 144,000 of those in the 18 to 49 demo. Started off low 400,000s, ended in the mid to two, uh, upper 200,000s. So they shed over 100,000 viewers. There was a big drop right after Tony Khan's show opening. CM Punk announcement, about 90,000 people, I think, turned off by, in the first quarter hour or something like that. So, so not great. Uh, some people didn't like the cover photo I used, which was the show-closing image of the Young Bucks shaking each other's hands um hey the headlines in the photos sometimes it's like a it's like a rorschach people see what they want to see that's just how the show ended that's the photo i was given that's the headline i was given you all draw your own conclusions you know um yeah and, and what do you i i'm i i don't see this as a doom and gloom i had a lot of competition i think the product on wednesday night was good i think having danielson is more of a focus on saturday night is good I think that they will be fine, I hope, on the other side of this. Huge competition, and, and you never want to say, well, you know, it's just look at look at this one incident. No, I mean, you always need to look at the bigger picture. But what is telling is, you know, those critics who are like, well, Punk didn't have the drawing power that everybody thought. It's like, well, we're talking about a Saturday show. 
And, you know, so the numbers are going to be down compared to a Wednesday night ordinarily. But what's majorly telling is that big time tune out after Tony Khan's announcement. Some of that is just sheer curiosity. What's he going to say? You know, what's the update on Punk? You know, maybe they would have stayed around if he would have just announced a suspension. I don't know. But when it was like he's gone, they were like, well, if he's gone, I'm gone too. That's pretty telling. And so let's see how things shake out over the next few weeks as well. If there's still this huge, huge, huge drop, you can't put all of that on college football, Nick. You just can't do it, bro. No, and I, I agree. And I look, again, they're doing a better product right now. They have a better product, I think, than they even had two weeks ago right now, right? So I'm I'm not totally down on that. I think they'll be able to rebound on it. And I and I I don't think it is fair to say that the, all 90,000 or 100,000 people or whatever it turned out we're seeing punk fans who are upset and left. I think there were probably a percentage of people that just thought there's nothing on the show that will be as interesting as this because this is a historical thing I just watched and left and watched the rest later. There was also probably a, a chunk of people that just were like over the drama of it for that moment. And, you know, not really picking a side, but just kind of like, I'll come back next week when it's not this. You know, <laughs> like that. I think there's sort of a kind of eye rollishness that a large portion of the AEW audience uh, represents that is overlooked sometimes. I rollishness. Is that is that going to be added to Webster's next year? I rollishness. Put it on a t-shirt. <laughs> uh, so, I'm going to ramble real quick through three more AEW notes. We can talk a little bit about them. We'll get into some a the WWE stuff. Uh, Fightful Saint Thunder Rosa could be back anytime now as, as soon as there's creative for her. Maybe on Collision. That's the brand she was teased for. Uh, speaking of Collision, Ricky Starks didn't know Brian Danielson was going to be his opponent until the day of Collision, also from Fightful, uh, and Brian was cleared the week of the show, which he talked about in the media scrum. And finally, on the Developmentally Speaking podcast, Dutch of the Righteous confirmed that he and Vincent, the Righteous, from Ring of Honor, have signed contracts with AEW. They're currently not doing anything, but I, I like these guys. I was excited when I heard Dutch and Vincent maybe working with Bray Wyatt in WWE as part of the Wyatt Six. I thought, I thought Vincent in particular and Wyatt would be a real fun act together. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I'm excited too, but I mean, AEW's roster is awfully crowded. I mean, you heard Tony Khan talking about it when he was asked about Sonny Kiss. It's like, we only have so many spots. You know, where would you put these guys in AEW? You know, are they going to be in Ring of Honor? The, are they going to wind up on Friday nights where nobody's really watching? Like, what do you do with these guys? That's the big question. And we'll see. The other part of me, though, is like, well, maybe they could use a fresh face right now. Not saying that they're going to move the needle and be a huge ratings draw week one, but potentially you build them, you give them the right push in the right way. It could lead to something, but I don't see any major gain straight away, but absolutely solid additions to the roster. I think they're, they think they definitely have a spot in Ring of Honor, right? Tony will use them there. But I also see them as like the perfect, you know, kind of like with Wyatt, like if you had the right guy who just needed uh, to be in a stable and have some guys to elevate him, to flush out the space around him, if there's that right guy that's kind of got that culty, grimy, you know, my head kind of goes to Darby Allen because he's just so grimy, the way he presents himself, I could see him with Vincent and Dutch, but he's already got Sting. Uh, some, I, I, I don't know that they're the focus, but I think they'd be a great addition to a talent that you see potential in that's got kind of that, Joe Gacy, Bray Wyatt kind of maniacal vibe to them, you know? Yeah, man. I mean, bring them on. Let's let's see what they do. Let's see yeah. what they do. All right. Um, we did mention it before. WWE and UFC are for formally merging on Tuesday to form TKO Group Holdings. Um, we, we did talk about this quite a bit. Uh, expected layover in the offices. I did want to bring it up again, though, just because it, it is going to be the end of an era. It is new management. Are you predicting any radical changes to the product uh, due to this merge here? Immediately, no. Within five years, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I just see huge changes coming, man. Can you, uh, can you talk a little bit about where you think maybe some changes might be coming to the company? It's hard to even pinpoint because I'm not even sure that you're going to see Paul Levesque, you know, there in another five years. He's not on the board, like... And, and how long does Vince want to stick around and, and have his hands in this? I mean, he's not going to have the control that he did. He'll have a lot, but it's not Vince's company anymore. And I don't know if that takes some of the shine off of WWE, if he's ready to step away permanently. I don't know. But again, you're talking about an older guy. So five years is a long time. 
And the fact that Paul and Stephanie weren't on the board to begin with, like that just means that this will be Nick Khan's company moving forward. And Nick is going to do what he feels is best to bring in advertiser dollars, to bring in the best television deals. And that could be a lot different from what we have seen. And so it'll be really interesting. Honestly, I could see the, the company devolving back into more of a Vince McMahon product, even though Vince won't be there. Because the, the happier the cartoonish stuff, the advertisers gravitate toward. And that's more my worry. More Viking Raiders matches, more the ring is something that's not a ring. It's a boat. Bring on the Viking Raiders and the Viking boat. We'll have a Viking funeral match. We'll set it on fire and send it to sea. And that's how you win. It wouldn't be that hard. They already have the stuff to do an Inferno match. You could very easily do a Viking funeral match. It would not be difficult. No, we might be onto something here. You heard it here first, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> what if I just said? Welcome to booking with Houseman. Uh, yeah, it's all going to be uncensored '96, baby. Um, <laughs> so, I yeah, I, I do wonder with Paul. I I don't. I, I, you know, I could see him in the Dana White role because Dana White came on as the, the figurehead. He still has a very. He's still very involved. He's still the president of the company. But they need somebody like that, I think, to make appearances and project. I'm the guy in charge running the show day to day. He already kind of looks like a pit boss like Dana White does, right? Gives off that same kind of energy. But, you know, Dana's got freedom to do what he wants. He books the shows how he wants. He takes chances where he wants. Paul would not be in the same position as Dana White. Paul is going to have a lot of people he's going to have to answer to, a lot of people coming to him, telling him how he has to do things, things he has to integrate, people he has to push or not push, sign, not sign. It's a very, very different position. It's not exactly an enviable position. I don't think he's out the door immediately. But I don't know how long he lingers, and if Hunter's gone and Vince is gone, I don't know that they bring Vince back in any kind of formal way with everything going on at the moment. Who really is left to be that? Paul Heyman, I guess? If he wants it. I mean, I don't know that he, does he? Yeah. I, I, don't, I just don't know. I think that there could be a name that comes up out of nowhere, like Adam Pearce just suddenly winds up, you know, a top WWE. You just don't know right now. Bring back Brian Gortz. Why not? Now that would be a story that would, that would hey, be a story it would be great Gord would be awesome he doesn't really he's he's not a big bold personality like dana white and triple hr but you know look he's worked side by side with the rock in hollywood for years at this point he's i think he was the og writer for the company i think he was the first one ever formally given that title so i mean i could absolutely see value in brian from a creative standpoint not the business don't give him the don't give him the checkbook but from a creative <laughs> perspective him and Nick Khan, I could see as a very convincing duo for people. And you got to figure that Nick Khan has a lot of respect for Brian Gewertz based off of his track record, right? And both of them operating in the Hollywood circles. I would think that there absolutely would be synergy there. Yeah. And hey, guess what? You can write for WWE. They're a non-union shop. We don't have to talk about that, Nick. <laughs> but let's talk about the donation that The Rock made to the Actors Fund. That a boy, Dwayne. Thank you, sir. What a great guy. Anyway, uh, Gunther. Has officially tied the Honky Tonk Man. As of today, he is tied for the longest reigning Intercontinental Championship reign ever. Tomorrow, he will break it. Goddamn. What a, yeah. what a ride. Can we just get the Honkometer once? I mean, for the love of Pearl, that was the greatest thing Santino Morella ever did in WWE was the Honkometer. And if we could just get that one time for Gunther, I think that the world would be a better place. You know, our truth is, it looks like truth is ready to roll. Uh, where's my vignette where Gunther's on his porch smoking his big cigar and our truth comes up in a camouflage bush <laughs> trying to <laughs> thinking the Intercontinental title is the 24-7 championship, trying to end the reign hours before it is broken. I would love that so much. That would be a good <laughs> bit. It'd be a dot-com exclusive for sure, but damn it, that would be a good bit. I love the way that your mind works. I'm on uh, board with this. Oh my god, you are alone. Um, <laughs> Wrestle votes. Wrestle votes. Noted LA Knight now internally listed as the top babyface on SmackDown. The Street Profits and Lashley are a heel act, and EO is the top female hero, heel on SmackDown. Man, LA Knight. This is you know you want to get over. You want to find a way to build your value. This uh, this guy. We talk about playbooks. This guy's got that playbook. I would be taking notes if I was a a wrestler right now on what LA Knight has done. Yeah. I mean, there's no question about it. The, the, the dude, I didn't have high hopes for him, you know, when he was still Max Dupree. Like, I was just like, yeah, it's just not going to work. But uh, came back and damn, he proved them wrong, didn't he? 
Yeah, he did. Uh, I'm very, very happy for LA Knight. Uh, Becky Lynch, she's not going to be in India this weekend for WWE Superstar Spectacle. There was a small tear in her passport preventing her from going. I saw this. I wondered, is this part of a storyline where she's going to surprise the fans in India? Because it seemed kind of far-fetched, in my opinion. Uh, I did get in touch with a WWE representative late last night and was told, this is legitimate. She will not be in India. There was a passport issue. So for anybody holding out hope, she's not going to be there. Um, and we did that update over on the site. So, again, follow us. You get the latest. But no Becky Lynch in India here. Man, I can't believe that. That's so ticky-tack. But I actually can believe it. As much as I travel, man, it, it all depends on the country you're going to and how bad of a day the person at the counter is having when you go through customs. Yeah. And she just caught the wrong person on the wrong damn day, dude. If you want people at the ticket gate to really like you, uh, a good tip is if they have tattoos to compliment them. I have done this on three separate occasions, and I always get better service. Well played. I'm going to uh -huh. use that. I got yeah. a ton of travel coming up. Nice. Yeah. If you see so, if you see an agent and they have a tattoo, oh, man, that's really cool. They will a thousand times. You, you compliment a tattoo, those people love it. Even if the person giving the compliment has no tattoos themselves? I have no tattoo. I got a, I got a uh, window seat on a Delta flight just because I complimented a Pokeball tattoo behind the gate attendant's ear. That's awesome. That's they were like, awesome. They were like, you know what? Here's your window seat. It was amazing. It well was played. Well played. Well played. Uh, last Becky Lynch item here. By the way, Piper Niven will be back soon. The title is cursed. The women's titles are cursed, but she'll be back. Um, but lastly, you're at Becky Lynch next Tuesday. She'll be back on it. She's going down to NXT. She's going to take on Tiffany Stratton. Uh, I, I think Dave and the Observer folks were saying WWE is going for the kill here on AEW Dynamite. They want to do a better demo draw than Dynamite, so they're going all out. Becky Lynch, Tiffany Stratton, Tuesday night, main event for the title. Do you think this will draw in more coveted viewers than AEW Dynamite next week? No, but it'll be close. It's definitely going to pop a number. I don't know that uh, Bex is, is going to get them there by herself, but I do find it interesting overall that we're seeing more and more main roster faces go down there, and uh, I don't see that ending anytime soon. Again, because the TV rights deals are still in negotiation, so let's get those numbers bolstered as much as possible, baby. As it stands, I think it would be close, but you got to remember they're gonna they have Monday night too, and I promise you they're going to shoot an angle for Becky and Tiff on the bigger show, and they did this for uh, Rollins, I think the the Rollins uh, Carmelo match where they mentioned it on Raw in like a promo segment or something like that, or they brought it up a couple times on Raw, and then that obviously it's Rollins it was going to draw, but no, it wasn't that. It was the Dominic Mysterio North American Title match. They. Uh, they did something on Raw, I remember, and I was like, that's really smart. I think they had Damian Priest mention how D Dom's going down there to take the title tomorrow night or something like that. Yep, yep. So they're, 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 they're doing this the right way. And if they do something really impactful with Tiffany and Beck on Monday night to set that match up, I think they might do it. Do they actually give her the belt, though? I wouldn't. I, I saw somebody online uh, say that the, uh, hypothetically Trish Stratus costs Becky this match and continues to feud into maybe a, a multi-women match at, at Survivor Series or something like that, which I don't hate. You know, we'll see. Yeah, I, I don't mind that. That's a, that's a pretty good idea. I'll go yeah. with that. All right, well, that brings us to the end of the show, everybody. Chuck, this was a roller coaster ride of 45 minutes here today. We covered so much ground. Uh, absolutely hope to have you back here uh, to chat more professional wrestling here sooner than later. Where can people go to find you, follow you, support you, love you, all those things? Uh, you can love me from afar. You can love me to my face. Either way, just be nice. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this is a great departure for me. Usually I'm talking about health and nutrition uh, for a living. So to be able to get back in the wrestling circles and support the brand what, what, what? is uh, is great. But my full-time gig is uh, the Exam Room podcast, which is uh, all about nutrition. And it's now one of the biggest nutrition podcasts on the planet, I say humbly. So uh, if you want to change your life and be like me, lose close to 300 pounds, Hop aboard, my friends. Can I? I'm gonna I'm gonna put over my wife here, and uh, I she I haven't talked about this at all. She's really trying not to talk about it, but she's almost done with it. She's uh on day 72 of the 75 day challenge. Are you familiar with this? No, but that's a long ass time, dude. It is 75 days where you can't drink alcohol, you can't eat uh red meat. Uh, it's really just chicken, veggies, fruit. Uh, you have to read. 
10 minutes a day. You have to do two 45 minute exercises. Like there's all these, and it's, it's really, uh, it's a, a physical test, right? Cause you're, it's like a diet and all of that, but it's more about mentally. Can you do it? Can you do 75 days of these very harsh kind of restrictions you've put on yourself, uh, health wise and mentally. And I am so proud of her, Chuck. She is looking and feeling fantastic right now. It is a, such a testament to really what you can do if you put your mind to it uh, and really want to kind of do some self-care. Um, and so I'm really proud of my wife right now. I, I just want to put her over. And it is really, really important to take care of yourself, everybody. If you're feeling weird or down or anything like that, uh, therapy helps. But a great diet uh, is also a, a wonderful way to kind of help help you have a better day. That's oh, bro, nice you it. come on my show and we can talk about that for 45 minutes and then some, no doubt. Hey, no problem, man. I'm in. I, <laughs> I, 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 I was a relationship expert on the Steve Harvey show. That is a real thing. Uh, I can, I can, yeah, go, go look up. What the hell? Go look up the battle of the sexes episode of the Steve Harvey show. The first one, there was two. I was invited back for the second one, but I had to turn it down for a Roman Reigns interview. Um, go watch. <laughs> Go find it. Everybody go find it. It's I think it's on Vimeo or something. The okay. Battle of the Sexes episode of the Steve Harvey show. Me, Nick Hausman, I'm on a panel. I'm a relationship expert. If I could if I'm an expert in relationships, fuck it. I could be a health expert. Why not? I'll give my two cents, you know? All right then. The House of Nick relationship. Let's do it. I regret not doing that second episode. I could have been like a Dr. Phil type. That that's what I should be, you know? Ooh, the Doctor House. Doctor's right. house. Yeah, House of Doctors. House in there. Let's do it. All right, that that's it. Now we're rambling, everybody. Please grab your things. Take these brownies. <laughs> I, I have so many brownies. Fill your pockets with brownies. Get on out the door. But remember, you're welcome back anytime. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc